something that was warned to us is like nothing is just split in the middle because of things like royalty structures and how the business is built for better or for worse nothing is as on the surface as it seems there's always that extra layer that we had to be cautious about which we learned very quickly what those different caveats were uh, I would, as we were talking everything having to do with this song that we have a deal with we mm -hmm. have to make sure like uh does this align with what we signed in the contract you know we're not going against anything and and it's all kosher um mm -hmm. so it's a shared responsibility of the song so it is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business third edition just came out it's available at all bookstores uh but they've been selling out fast so so go pick it up today my guest is the rare occasions they are a trio based here in LA, uh, originally from Boston. They moved out to LA uh, around 2016. They did the indie grind for many, many years, uh, released a bunch of records. And then, end of 2021, they something happened that we've been hearing this story now. They went viral on TikTok, or they had a song that actually had been released years prior in 2016, went viral on TikTok. It got, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of views across all of the videos that were made, like 160,000 people made video, actually more than that, but made videos to their, their song. They were quickly uh, offered major label record deals by virtually every major label out there. Um, they signed with Electra Records, a single deal. Um, we get into all the details of how this all went down and the the details of this deal that they signed. And you know, they that that song, their song Notion, went on to get over 300 million streams currently to date. They have five million monthly listeners currently. Oh, but they got dropped. They the deal that they signed with electro records was just for a single and now we're starting to see what's happening to these tiktokers or the the artists that get signed because of a, a tiktok viral moment and viral song many get signed and then get dropped and uh, they had a record deal for all of eight months, I want to say. So we talk about this whole journey of what happens after a song goes viral on TikTok and uh, what happens to the band. So uh, you're going to really enjoy this this interview. I think it, we're shining some light. Not many people are talking about this story. And I uh, appreciate that the guys came on to be transparent about their story. And they're not afraid of their story. And they're actually embracing it. And you're going to learn a ton of what is happening right now, 2023, in the new music business with artists that can actually cut it because these guys are incredibly talented uh great songwriters great musicians great performers they have that stuff oftentimes the the 
TikTokers that uh, rise and fall don't have the stuff, but these guys do. So the the conversation was was great. Really enjoyed chatting with them. Um, and uh, they they tell the, their whole story, their whole journey, and we spent a lot of time on on the deal. You can find them at the rare occasions everywhere, especially of course on TikTok, where they have over one hundred seventy thousand followers there. But of course on Instagram and Spotify, and uh, they'll be going on tour later this year again. So check them out if uh, when when they come through your town. You can find all of us that make the show happen at. At Ari's Take on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram and Twitter. Visit Ari'sTake.com. Get on the email list. That's where you're going to get the most up-to-date, relevant information about the new music business. We send out newsletters and blasts and, and stuff. Um, the most important information we send out to that newsletter. So get on that. That's where you're going to hear about all of the new stuff that's happening and opportunities that we will present. If you've been listening to the show for a while and you haven't left us a five us a five-star review on spotify or apple podcast please pause this and just leave a, a quick five-star review if you'd like the show and like us to keep going uh that would be fantastic if you're listening on youtube click that up thumb click the follow make sure you're subscribing to us everywhere just pause the show right now and however you're listening to this right now just hit the subscribe hit the follow button if you'd like us to, to come in your feed in the future all right let's kick into the show rare occasions welcome to the show hey <laughs> thanks for having us what's up i love that you know this is we actually probably could have done this in the same room. I love that the three of you are in one room, but we're probably like two blocks from each other physically in a location. If I if I know my LA geography, I feel like you guys are East Side guys. Am I am I correct? Or where are you like Silver Lake, Highland Park? We're valley Valley guys. Your Valley. Oh, I'm very oh well, don't tell anyone that. We'll have to edit that out after the fact. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Be super careful because we live in two different valleys, uh, basically, oh. right? Oh, yeah. We got the SGV and we got the <laughs> SFV. SGV and SV. What? What are those valleys? I feel it's San Fernando Valley and then the the San Gabriel. Gabriel Valley. Oh, shit. Man, I've lived in LA for 12 years and I feel like I still don't know all of the uh, the geography and the breakdowns and, and where everything's no um, broken out. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm so happy that, that we were able to make this work. I mean, Jeremy, thank you for, for coming and saying hi uh, the other night at the Goldfish. Um, that's, uh, it, and look, a few days later, boom, we're on a we're on a podcast together. Yeah, it was like the quickest uh, podcast interview that I think we've gotten from. Uh huh. I love when it works. That was my first time at the Goldfish since it, it had flipped from the hi hat. Uh, have you guys seen it? Uh, have you been there since the flip? Yeah, I've been there as well. Um, it's different, but it keeps some of its uh, some of the same vibes that were there before. I know you played the hi hat before, like years back. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we played at the hi hat uh, before. Yeah. What an it was an awkward setup though, if I have to say. Like, I mean, it was uh, you know, the, the when you walk in, you kind of see the side of the thing, and and now I don't know. I think the layout of the goldfish is is uh, feeling um, it, it makes a little bit more sense. I did notice the sound booth is is has remained. That is the one oh, thing yeah. that hasn't hasn't shifted. Yeah, um, oh, cool, definitely the bar and the bar. Yes, uh, still no liquor license, but either way, um, <laughs> <laughs> beer and wine only. That's cool. Um, so uh, right on. Well. Um, guys, this is a, you know, you have a really interesting story and it's like now we're in 2023 and it's, uh, you know, something that we've been hearing a lot about is like these TikTok success stories and something that, um, you know, you have, you are able to leverage this into not just like a viral moment, 
Um, but, you know, into actually building a fan base and going on headlining tours and, you know, selling out clubs and stuff like that. And I feel a big part of the reason um, that you kind of could take this moment, capitalize on it and jump is because you'd been laying the groundwork for a decade. I mean, over that, I mean, if I, uh, you know, and it's like, they say that luck is simply when preparation meets opportunity. And, you know, as I was like exploring your discography and your videos and just like everything that, that, uh, you've put out over the last 10 years and, and, and the, my favorite part of your website, the gig gigography or the gig, what did you call it? The gigography. Shit. Everybody (laughs) go check. Is is that documents every single gig you've ever played to date? Is that the thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when we started, I was um, always lurking on, like, Led Zeppelin's <laughs> website, and they have really good, like, um, they have they have documentation for all of their shows, including photos and things like that. So as we were playing shows, going back to 2012, I was like, I'm going to write everything down that I, that I felt is important. So we have, like, all these bands we played with, a majority of which don't exist anymore. Yeah. Venue <laughs> and, you know, the date and, yeah. I love. Oh, so you did this manually? I was like, "What app is this? I need this app." <laughs> no, I did it manually. And just recently, we like we consolidated all of our like our digital storage and stuff like that, which is all connected to the same Google accounts that we have. And like we were like number one priority: make sure that we don't lose our data, but number two, make sure we don't lose our geography. Seriously, yeah, switch over email accounts. No, no, that is a serious concern, and and I appreciate that it's there. I mean, I'm I was going through all your past shows, and I, and I could, I now correct me if I'm wrong, but I I want to say, based on the gigography, you guys moved from Boston to LA in around 2016, and I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna take a guess. Let's say it looks like September 2016. How close am I? Wow, that's. I think I landed in LA or I arrived in LA. October 1st. So Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, pretty close. Pretty close. close. I saw yeah, it looked close. like you had like a, a Middle East send up. It was a staggered off. move because we were. Was we it? Were, yeah. There was. Uh, so like we went to college in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. And um, when Luke and I were the first to graduate and uh, Luke came out to L.A. and we can get into that. Um, yeah. But basically uh, there was like a two year period where. Jeremy and I kind of like kept the gigging operation going by like having friends sit in for Luke and also for our um, drums, yeah. former lead guitarist, uh, Peter. Okay. Um, so we had the, at the time there were four of us and it was like really one by one. We, we mm. made it to LA and it's kind of amazing. Like lots of Boston bands, especially when they start as college bands, yeah, they dissolve when they graduate. And I think part of our, success is the longevity and the fact mm-hmm. that we've been able to stick to it um yeah i absolutely i mean as we find you know i i was in minneapolis prior to la um and uh, my wife is an artist um she's from boston as well and she would kind of say a similar thing um like there's a ceiling in these cities and it's like you kind of hit your ceiling uh fairly quickly um i noticed that in minneapolis and it's kind of like the there's a the growth potential isn't quite there and like you know for me at least moving out to LA was something like I felt I had kind of done all I could do in Minneapolis and I and I wanted a different challenge uh I'm curious what was the reason the impetus for you guys coming out here 
Well, I don't think we were anywhere close to hitting Boston's ceiling. Okay. Part of me kind of wishes we were like still like, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of the new England roots that we have. And I'd love to be regarded like bands that I remember from the scene, like pile and krill. And they're just kind of like local legends. I would have loved that for this band, but, um, we, you know, basically our, our other activities took us out to LA. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was at Berkeley for film scoring. Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, I always had it in my head that a goal was to go to L.A. and pursue that. Mm. And this band just kept kept going and going sort of on the side. And we all had like day jobs, you know. Um, and so... I just figured I'm going to, I'm going to go to LA and he gave us a solid heads up. Like you were probably a junior in college when you were like, guys, if we want to do this after college, it's got to happen in LA. And we're like, all right, we'll so, make oh, wow. it happen. So, so basically they followed me out here and they all kind of <laughs> got set up with, with, you know, their daytime jobs and, um, gigging outside of the band and, and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so that we could keep doing it you know, on yeah. weekends and nights and weekends until finally we could make it up to like a full-time thing. Yeah. Um, I, I saw that you were kind of doing the, uh, the LA grind gig hustle thing. I mean, I was looking at the gigography. You've played all of the, the clubs, the East side, you know, clubs and, and kind of those indie clubs and, and last night RIP and like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> all of it, all, all, all of the, uh, um, those, those hole in the wall, uh, spots. But, um, how many gigs did you say that you played before you made the move? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but, um, I think in like the around 150 range yeah, before we moved. Hope at least a couple hundred. Yeah. Gigs. Yeah. I remember our, our Wheaton college gig was our 100th gig and mm. that was with people sitting in on drums and guitar. So that was like during that transition transitionary phase got it and so when you came out here um in 2016 so peter didn't your former lead guitarist he didn't join you out here and is that kind of you decided yeah, we're going to continue as a, a trio three-piece he did join us um he did but he eventually a couple of years in he he left the band for for personal reasons and got it we're all very supportive of of him and his solo music career but we just figured we'd continue as a three-piece because it was kind of Kind of working yeah. better with a little less cooks in the kitchen because we all like to be have our hands in the creative process. So got it. There was a time where we were looking for a guitarist, and uh, we played with a, a few guitarists in the scene, and uh, mm-hmm. they were awesome. But they were busy with their own projects, and we we're like, well, you know, kind of works just the three of us. So that's what cool. we went with. I mean, you have it, yeah, and it's you got that uh I mean there's shit. There's uh no shortage of uh rock band rock trios in the history of rock music um that works really well and and I mean but your sound is so big and it's cohesive and and uh do you tour with uh a hired guitar gun or do you do you use tracks for your shows or you just make the sound work? Yeah, I see the head nodding for tracks. Yes. Okay. Yes, tracks. <laughs> our our um our arrangement style has changed since we've become a three piece. So like yeah. uh doing our current music, we generally are able to do it playing live. Um mm-hmm. we, we still use tracks for like, I don't know, like tambourine and, and these little auxiliary things, strings, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Cool. But um, 
doing some of our old songs uh we throw the bass in the tracks and jeremy's our lead guitarist oh okay cool i did see in one of your videos that jeremy was on guitar for like a split second it, there's a music video he's up there on the guitar and i was like oh okay cool multi-instrument bass band. has six strings yeah right <laughs> our last our last tour we had a bit where jeremy would go on the drums and luke played guitar so all three of us had oh, a turn. total mind fuck yeah <laughs> that's great um cool so let's jump to uh end of 2021 um you know this is when shit really started to just pop on tiktok um step me through this and just like what happened what went down like tell me this story of uh what happened with tiktok yeah, uh, I, I mentioned this to you briefly uh, mm-hmm. before, but um, yeah, that whole pop-off moment in 2021, it really was like the the final pop-off to kind of get us to that wider reach that was the, it was kind of like the, the big, the big chungus that happened mm-hmm. after years of little pockets of the internet kind of taking us under its wing. Mm. So it, it, you know, like I mentioned before, um, there's a, a guy named Booga who was uh, a Fortnite champion. Ooh. Uh, it was like a big deal uh, when it first happened, like 2017 or so. Okay. It turned out before, even before he became a champion and was on the news and whatever, um, that he used our music in his video. So he was an organic fan of ours, which was cool. Cool. Uh, but then when he won all of his uh supporters and underlings saw his channel and were like oh if i use rare occasions music in my fortnite montage videos i'll be good at fortnite (laughs) um and so we suddenly had this sea of of people um with with almost no effort of our own Mm. again with like the opportunity luck analogy it just it just happened um Mm. that people caught on and that kind of shifted into different aspects of the gaming industry Mm -hmm. and um and then that shifted into like the art community uh drawing anime um so on and so forth and these shifts were slow like it was Mm -hmm. Fortnite for a year two years 2020 yeah and then that started you know cycling and then eventually um the art an anime community on TikTok in the summer of 2021 got its its clutches on our song Notion, which mm-hmm. was a song that had been used and was part of that cyclical nature. Mm. Um, but once TikTok got it, it was it was a night and day thing. Um, well, that's so interesting. So 2017, around that time, this Fortnite uh, star Booga. Um, so and he's using your he's using um, your music in what is this twitch or is youtube then i guess at the time right youtube yeah, yeah. At, at the time and uh and so uh when you were playing shows around you know 2017 18 19 i guess pre-pandemic were you noticing people at the shows that were in the gaming community that kind of discovered you that way or was it not really translating at at that time i would say it wasn't really translating yeah. um but we did see like the online numbers, the streaming on our Spotify and things like that, slowly ticking up. So it was like discouraging to um, have been at it for such a long time and not really see, you know, people coming out to shows as much and things like that. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, we're seeing 
um, online things picking up and it's like, let's just keep at it and let's just keep going. And mm. uh, we kind of yeah. assumed it was because of their ages too. Like, Oh yeah. Cause it was frustrating like seeing uh. the numbers there online, but no one coming to the shows and it's like, well, cause they're kids. Like they can't go to these. <laughs> You're playing LA 21 plus 20 clubs. Yeah. 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 So that was part of it. But then, you know, it just, we just kept at it and eventually mm. it got big enough that, so when you say, you know, Jeremy, you were mentioning the art and drawing and anime community kind of latched on. What does that actually mean? Like, what, for people that don't really understand that these are communities, what does that mean? So people, you know, be it uh, Fortnite players, video gamers, uh, mm-hmm. drawers, painters, um, folks that do animation, they like to either, like, make montages of their performance of something uh-huh. Or like a behind the scenes of the creation of something, mm. um, and uh, you know I think anyone who's ever watched a movie knows that music matters, <laughs> and they like to put music to the background of the video just to like give the impression from like the song kind of like sets the tone of what they want the people watching the video to feel or mm-hmm. I think like to perceive the thing that they're drawing like. Like, for example, Notion, it has this dramatic strings intro. The mm-hmm. Notion is the song that really um, got taken under TikTok's wing. Mm-hmm. It has this dramatic strings intro, and then it kind of goes into this, this like, uh, little vocal solo for a split second that goes into the song. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that dichotomy between orchestral strings going into a more modern rock sound people yep. would use the string section to kind of like set up the tone of like the animation of a video. Gotcha. And then when Brian would start singing in the song, it was kind of like the punchline or the reveal mm. of what it is that the point of the video was about. Mm. That's a very specific circumstance, but when we, when we set the tone of the video, kind of. yeah, when yeah. we started seeing that, that's like people were sort of memifying the song. So they mm-hmm. would, they would like, yeah, whether it's like a, comedy video with like a setup and a punchline or um really any sort of format having like eight seconds of this very distinct orchestral sound and then eight seconds of a dark kind of indie rock sound um people hmm. would use that to describe the emotions that they're trying to convey in their videos so yeah once we saw it sort of become a meme that's when the virality just kind of skyrocketed that was sort of a- after the artistic community sure. Um, yeah so that that was you know what they call on tiktok the you know the trend and this was the trend and the trend was using this sound like your song uh and and i guess they were using it from the very beginning so that that transition moment which is so key uh on tiktok that is something that is so many trends revolve around is that big transition moment is like you know the a to the b uh the payoff yeah um and so what was like when did you notice something was taking off um i couldn't find the original video that made this happen if there is an original like what what did we we couldn't find we don't know like i don't think there's just one video that did it but Mm. like some of the earlier ones i remember there was like this sonic the hedgehog meme thing that was like the first one that i saw that had over a million views Mm. um but it all there was just like an onslaught like kind of overnight of suddenly everybody's using our song as a sound in their video and wow 
at, once that like momentum picks up, like the creators know to use the sound because it like helps their video get seen. So once, I don't know, once you're at that point with your song, like, um, I don't know. Snowballs. It's like, yeah, yeah. Snowballs. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a trending song and, and right. Cause I, I was just seeing, you know, there's a hundred I, to my count, there's around 160,000 videos that use Notion, um, at least that have been tagged to, uh, that have been synced up to the original um, or, or to the, the song that's credited to you. There might be other, you know, videos that the TikTok hasn't credited to, um, you know, to the rare occasions Notion. But, um, and it, maybe there's more. How many did you count at the time? Was there more? There was, well, yeah, I would say the most of the trending sounds were not the official Notion audio. It was like Got it. original audio, some other thing. I, I don't sped, even know. Sped up. Oh, yeah, the sped up, right. slowed down and reverbed. Yeah. Like all these other things that people created. Um, but luckily, like because of the audio ID, like we still get mm -hmm. credit for that stuff, but it, it okay. doesn't like link to... Oh, it does link to our song eventually, but you have to like click a few things to get there. Got it. Anyway, got it. Like contains yeah. music from they they put that little badge on there. Okay. And like got it. as as this was first happening, we weren't really on TikTok. Like we had just made an account because our mm -hmm. managers was like, I think it'd be a good idea for you to make a TikTok account. So we're like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so we weren't like checking it or like we didn't understand any of this stuff at that time either. Yeah. Like I didn't even know what a sound was and. All, yeah i don't know all the terminology but we noticed because we were looking at our like streaming data um the spotify for artists app like just overnight it jumped up from i think notion was getting like i don't know 10 or fifteen thousand streams a day and it jumped up to like eighty thousand in wow. one day and we're like wow either this i i at first i thought the app was broken i was like ah <laughs> we'll check tomorrow and i'm sure it'll it'll be a normal number yeah and then it it just kept going up and we're like what's going on it took us about i think two or three days to like figure out the source i remember i remember the day i think it hit like 156,000 streams a day and wow. that was like a six digit number yeah of one song in yeah. one day and that in was one day like, wow and then That's i insane. saw that and then i had to go teach uh, <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, just like a whole other bag, a whole different discussion of like record label negotiations while trying to maintain a normal life. Oh my god! So, so let's talk about that. So, how I, I because I, you know, we all hear the stories of the the new A and R at major labels are you know twenty two year old kids, uh, and they're the like senior A and R at uh, Capitol Records is this twenty two year old kid. Uh, <laughs> because that's like, you know, that's how labels are finding artists these days. It's they're it's, all senior VPs. It's amazing. Yeah, how many senior, senior VPs can there be? <laughs> but seriously. Um yeah, I mean like most of the people that reached out to us, so like that first week where it jumped to like around a hundred thousand streams, we we were like, oh this is cool, but we didn't hear from the labels and then when it jumped up again to like 400,000 streams per day, suddenly oh, wow. like in our inbox, like every single major label was like, trying to book they, meetings they with us. They were all just in lockstep. 
and they're in lockstep. Yeah. <laughs> the, those those A&R guys, every single one used the word lockstep. Buzzwords. Yeah. Really? That's our, that's our inside joke. <laughs> We're going to work with you in lockstep to make in this lockstep. the best it can be. I had never heard that word before in my life, and then I heard it a thousand times <laughs> for like a month and a half in the fall of 2021. So what were those pitches like? What were they? Were they sliding into your DMs and just saying, "Let's work in lockstep, boys"? <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, some of them were only Insta DMs, which is crazy to me. And then a lot of them emailed us because we do have our okay. email listed on our site. Twenty-two year olds um, don't know how to email, so that makes a lot of sense yeah. that they found. I mean, most of these slid into your DMs. No I'm situation. <laughs> most of these A and R folks that were reaching out were, I would say, like in their thirties. Okay. But the the interesting thing that we learned, and I don't know you probably know about this too is like the majors all have these like um software tools that they use to like monitor tiktok mm-hmm. so um one guy i remember meeting was sort of a, a data nerd and i actually mm-hmm. love that guy because i don't know i'm kind of a nerd too um but yeah so there's like the a and r uh strategy is like data collection and yeah. monitoring TikTok and what's going on there. And, and if it mm-hmm. passes a certain threshold, it's like, all right, let's call them up. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's the thing is just, just like, you know, a lot of the labels really have employed the data analysts and that is what the new ANR is. It's no longer going down, you know, going to the, the Viper room or the whiskey and just like scouting out talent and seeing, Oh my God, they're good. Let's sign them. You know, no, it's, it's all about the data. It's just like, they, they need something happening. Um, you know, they're not in the artist development game anymore. Major labels don't develop artists. They, they want to take something that's already happening and throw gasoline on the fire. Um, so, so so let's talk about that. What were these conversations that were happening? What were the, uh, how does that go from them either sliding into your DMs or shooting you an email to like, let's set up a meeting. Did you, how many, how many, you said all the major labels are hitting you up. Uh, were you taking meetings with all of them? Were they sending you contracts like sign here? What was going on? I think, I think like all four- in all, even after we signed, we were still getting messages. Uh, I think wow. it might've been like 14 or 15 labels. Wow. Um, all majors contacted uh, there was there was one independent that reached out so uh so you they they reach out they find you you know all these major labels (laughs) are are, uh all these major labels are are reaching out and then what happens after that i'm so curious about like the day-to-day the minute by minute so jeremy's in in lessons teaching kids uh how to play the bass uh no what were you what were you and then like you all are working your day jobs what are your day what is happening at this time while they're like you know pounding down your door trying to get you to sign yeah i was working as a electrical engineer at that time too so i was like full time in an office mostly Mm -hmm. this was also like during the part of pandemic where lockdown was people weren't locked down necessarily but Mm. most people were still working from home sure so almost all these were zoom meetings even with people who were here locally in la yeah um so it it made it a little bit easier for us to balance but i remember i was just constantly sneaking off into the laboratory that i worked in in a, in a dark quiet area and taking these zoom calls with like these various um record execs or uh you know marketing teams um yeah i would say like mo- most most meetings went this way we we met with the anr first okay. and then if um it went well um we would meet 
with other team members like the marketing and and they're really kind of pitching us on their team mm-hmm. um so it was it was cool but it um it was also interesting how similar all these different labels the pitches were were almost word for word the same pretty much down, word like down, for word. down to the contract what were the what were these pitches and what we'll get to the contract in a second but i'm curious what these pitches were um yeah at, at first it was just like it was a lot of recognition that rock isn't dead and oh yeah you guys can be the ones to bring it back to the forefront okay that was that was a big part of it and i think there was an aspect of us that we were so desperate to not just be basically used for for just this one song that when people yeah. said it it was kind of like wow they think that we can <laughs> take rock it. back yeah uh not not we take it back but like we we help propel it yeah uh, back to, into the public to like eye. a new generation because yeah, a lot exactly. of kids were doing covers and like they picked up a guitar for the first time and they were learning we were song. getting messages from kids that were like hey the song notion by the rare occasions what genre of music is this called Dude, like, that's the third on Google. When you search the rare occasion on Google, it's like what people also search for. Uh, people also ask, it's what genre is rare occasions? <laughs> I saw there's like the people also ask, we have where are the rare occasions from? What genre is rare occasions? What was the rare occasions first song? Are the rare occasions Australian? <laughs> <That's> Nar- <laughs> oh, man. Nar- A lot of people wondering about that. <laughs> wow, that's funny. But yeah, no, people didn't know what to call it. We, we yeah. had to like educate them in the comment section. This is called rock. This is called yeah. guitar. <laughs> oh my God. And they're, they're asking a, us about like making beats. That, like, oh, I like the beat you made. And yeah. this oh. is a, no, it's, this is a, it's a different set. generation. It, it, was have, so, it was so weird because it's like, oh my God, these kids don't know what rock is. But then it's uh, also like, think about the first time you ever went to a rock concert or heard rock for the first time and how impactful it was. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's cool to kind of be a part of that, you know, that coming of age. If we can be musician the musician or music fan, like that's that's really cool. But it was it was just weird. Yeah. That was if we can be the gateway for kids to like get yeah. super into the stuff that we grew up on, I mean, the new generation of that, um, mm-hmm. then that's pretty cool. So the labels really kind of picked up on our excitement for that, and they were yeah. using that. <laughs> To sell us. Yeah. And it was like, let's introduce you to this person from this other team. Uh, we'll set up another meeting in a couple of days and we'll talk about this aspect of it and blah, blah, blah. So it was multiple mm-hmm. meetings with multiple labels. And it was. Yeah. Like, and we part of that was our own scrutiny because we knew going into it, we've been in and around the music business for a long time. And we knew, mm-hmm. like, if we're going to sign a deal on something that we created and give up a portion of that, of the, uh, you know, of our hard work. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to make sure we're uh, scrutinizing the people who are going to be on their team and and are going to be people that we want to work with. Mm -hmm. And also the the pretext was like, this is going to be our team going forward, like for future releases and and, the future of the band, potentially. And that's, that's sort of, uh, I don't know, another thing to talk about. But, uh, yeah. So what were these deals that were being offered to you? So let's say all these meetings went well. You met all the various people, and it gets time to 
deal time. You're like, all right, let's see what you got. You know, what were the deals that that were being handed to you? Um, Give me the boilerplate. Basically, it was <laughs> a licensing deal that so not not like stripping the copyright or anything. It was just the mm -hmm. the option to take the song and push it to as many avenues as possible. So they wouldn't own the masters. When you say licensing, they're yeah. just participating um, in kind of the royalty share of the song, and they have the uh, they have the the right to license the song um, for various opportunities, whether that's sync or spot streaming, frankly, and and then they can you know earn uh, a percentage of the royalties, but not own the masters. So you still have full control. You maintain ownership. They're just participating in the royalty share. Is that it's right? For a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. For okay. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard though to, it, it would be awesome if it was that simple, but okay. it's like, yeah, we, we still own the publishing rights to the song, but they have the sync because they have licensing <laughs> ownership of the song. Mm -hmm. It's also sync and publishing are kind of, tied together and they're kind of tied together in a way so it's like it still is a, a little tug and pull in terms of what what and, we have and what they have mm -hmm. um and and that was something that was warned to us is like nothing is just split in the middle nothing is because of things like royalty structures and how the business is built mm -hmm. um uh for better or for worse nothing is on as on the surface as it seems there's always that extra layer that we had to be cautious about which we learned very quickly what those different caveats were uh, uh, I would, as we were talking i would say on the sync publishing side we because we're songwriters we mm -hmm. in terms of the royalties and stuff we we get to keep everything it's yeah. more so about the the control and like um, ev everything having to do with this song that we have a deal with, we have mm -hmm. to make sure like, uh, does this align with what we signed in the contract? You know, we're not going against anything and, and it's all kosher. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it's, it's like, it's just, um, um, it's a shared responsibility of the song and on the, um, I don't know, master recording side, mm -hmm. the, the royalties are shared. And and what were the percentages uh, that they were offering? The various you're saying most of these deals were similar. Uh, what was the breakdown? Was this a fifty fifty split? Was this an eighty five fifteen like a traditional is, deal? Uh, a number that is held tightly between Electra Records and the rare occasions uh, representing parties. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. you're throwing the uh, fucking we, NDA at we, me right now. No, no, we All can't. Right, so <laughs> we can't talk about our particular deal however sure. most of these licensing deals that's right have a certain split and that's what we saw as well and it's pretty widely available you know what what that split is i don't know if we can say the number so let's not talk about the electric deal because you're signed to nda with that but let's talk about all the other deals uh that you are being offered that you're not bound to an nda with what were those what was that split uh, that you were seeing our i think we were working with a lawyer kind of going back and forth and they had never seen a 50 50 offer before okay um that much in favor of a of an artist let's say um so it was along those lines perhaps yeah <laughs> so they were they were saying 
this is surprising to me as an attorney. I haven't negotiated major label deals in the past that were 50-50. The fact that you're being offered these 50-50 licensing deals, uh, that is something that is new and interesting and favorable to you, right? Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that, for me, at this point, is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. Yeah, and it kind of, especially for our, our circumstance, that if we were to sign a deal that yeah. matches those numbers, it makes sense because we released the song six years prior to all of this, <laughs> this explosivity that had yes. happened. So in what sane world would we have relinquished 80% of our six years of hard work right. of, of a song that we, you know, to, to its limits, uh, that we got to where it got to. Of mm-hmm. course, the internet does what the internet wants to, and we have to give credit to that, but yes. it happened under our control of the song, and, and we were able to shift our fan base, or or these mm-hmm. listeners of this one song or watchers of videos that happen to have this one song, mm-hmm. we were already putting in the work to shift people towards our catalog to try to translate those yep. video watchers into long-term fans. So it would have it would have been crazy to give up such a large piece of the pie right. for a song that came out when TikTok didn't even exist. I, I have had people like come up to me straight in my face and say jeremy you can be honest what did you do to get your song to blow up on tiktok and like i don't know like we we didn't have a master plan when we released the song five years before Mm -hmm. uh it blew up on tiktok it just happened and and obviously we're grateful for it but we there's nothing that we could have done to propel it to the degree that it did so yeah, um. yeah, because yeah, because the label there was no label involved uh, f- in the creation of the song. So the leverage that we have, it's like we have a hit song on our hands. The amount of leverage that a band in that situation has is va- vastly different from 
a band who's just starting out and like wants to record their first song and the, the label pays for it. Like it's a totally right. different kind of split. Um, and we knew, we knew that going in and, um, and we knew also, you know, there's no matter what you're giving something up. So it was sort of like, let's try this out. And yeah, uh, that's what we did. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I don't, I don't want to gloss over that. This song was released in 2016. That's incredible. Like we're seeing this happen a lot. I, I mean, similarly, um, another indie rock artist that blew up on TikTok right around the same time. I also had on the show Ricky Montgomery. Um, he had a couple songs blow up. Um, similarly, you know, um, for better or worse, whatever his NDA was, uh, he broke it. He told me the whole deal on the show of what he said with, <laughs> with Warner Records. He's, cool, he's cooler than us. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You guys are great. Um, but yeah, he. Um, you know, similarly, it was a 50-50 deal, and it was a licensing thing, and, and I'm sure he had the same meetings with the same people that you guys did because it was the same time period, to be honest. Um, and But it was for his record that came out in 2016. Uh, similarly, I don't know what that, you know, yeah. magic of the year of the recording that, <laughs> that the year, whole, but like... Yeah, yeah. mid-2010 seems to be the trend among amongst the trends. Mm. It's, um Lake. like bands that people should check out that fall under the same category as us with yeah. songs that came out in a similar time Vonderbar, um the walters vacations vacations uh love joy right uh yeah hot freaks who we were just on our headline tour with they were our opening act for a month and a half mm -hmm. same kind of scenario it was a song from 2013 13 right yeah it's an older and song. uh they signed to electro just like us um and so it, th this story is like it does not begin and it doesn't end with mm. our song and like you're saying ricky montgomery I, i've i've heard those songs before yeah and it's yeah it's crazy that like we were such different people and musicians when that song came out uh, yeah I think that six years ago, the kids yeah. were on a real nostalgia kick at the end of 2021 because that's when the world was kind of opening up, and I think mm. people were excited for like that guitar, like live, more mm. live music sound because people want to get out and go to shows and jump around and had all this pent up energy. So, I, like that during that time period, yeah, it's interesting. Like a lot of our peers that mm -hmm. like we some we played shows with in like house shows with in Boston, like they uh were in the same boat as us hmm it's crazy and yeah that makes a lot of sense uh just kind of where we were at as a society and a culture um around that time period and why people were are so taken to uh this i guess you know indie rock sound of of the mid uh the mid 2010s the the aughts or whatever we call it but um so i want to get back to this deal because uh the they just signed correct me if i'm wrong um what was they just is just a single deal right or was it a full ep uh, album option what was the a lot of, of these deals have an option okay and uh are the one that we signed well everyone that we saw had an option let's put it that way and so uh, it's for, but it, for like a short ep got it so it starts with a single it's like all right we want to sign this it's it's uh we're signing one single firm and then the option was of course always on the label to decide if we want to um do an ep as well what was that gonna look like because uh i'm i just saw that you released your 
your record, um, your your new record, Attaboy, or your new EP, and and at least according to Spotify, it's self released. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And then we know other bands who followed through with it. Yeah. Um, like, this this other band at our same rehearsal spot, um, they got the option. Um, okay. We we didn't get the option, and in some ways, like, uh, I'm kind of glad we got to continue mm-hmm. independently. Um, but when we first went into it, like the whole reason we were enticed by these deals, mm-hmm. knowing kind of the drawbacks of the major label system is like, well, maybe this could be our our way into the door. And so the option was like that carrot that's dangling above, above our heads because we wanted to have releases like mm-hmm. and long term. Yeah, long term. We're looking for a long term relationship. Yeah. So um, we were a little bit disappointed that didn't happen, but we are, I will say our A&R person was very transparent about that possibility throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like it was a surprise, like they, they didn't trick us or anything. Um, but, but we were, the, the reason we signed was for, f- you know, future releases. To, yeah, get support from them in the future, not just to work this one song but to build the name what was it going to take for them to exercise the option i mean i mean notion has uh currently over 300 million streams uh you have five million monthly listeners on spotify alone uh what does it take these days what was the transparency of this anr rep that you're saying that made sense why they didn't want to exercise the option i'm curious what it takes these days as far as we knew up front it was it was based on the performance of notion if it hit a certain metric uh basically streams uh streams converted into uh units like the traditional album mm-hmm. sale i think it, what is it 1500 streams, streams to uh 1500 equals an album oh okay yeah. I, I think they have different ratings for it's, singles w- it's 150, no, for one, single. 150 for a yeah. single that makes sense yeah so um yeah so it was it had to hit a certain metric and within our term with electra it it wiped the floor with that metric that was um, that was the base level requirement though that wasn't like they could still decide yes or no. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it was fully in it was their like court. They, yeah, they're, it was right. in their control the whole time. So then it, it was kind of just like, well, did they, did they have the intention? The, I, I, I have one yeah. anecdote. And yeah. um, so the A&R world, not just our A&R guy, but, but all the people we talked to, um, they kept using this terminology about upward trajectory and downward trajectory. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very fancy, but it's literally like, is the stream graph going up or is it going down? And uh, everybody, we, we found that during our term, the enthusiasm and, and like investment in promoting mm-hmm. our music was also related to this idea of upward trajectory and downward trajectory. And we kind of lucked out because it had our song had a second wind like during our term. So mm-hmm. we actually got a lot of good things out of it. But then by the time it was decision time on the label side, we were experiencing some downward trajectory hmm. and uh that wasn't uh what they wanted to see so I, I, i'm assuming so talk to me about the advances that uh in these offers that you are getting because that's another reason i mean honestly probably one of the biggest reasons that a lot of artists uh you know decide to go with one label over another uh what are what were these advances looking like 
we we can't give a number um and it's weird because we we don't we didn't have any costs related to the song i mean it was recorded and released yeah so it's weird to call it an advance because the song was made six years ago a bribe but uh, but that's how it's scheduled it's structured like an advanced stream yeah it's money that they give you up front to be recouped later on your percentage of royalty so like what were i mean we're talking like six figures seven figures uh, what's the range six figures okay um and you know going into that situation we were seeing we were already seeing the money come in from our own distribution on the mm-hmm. song and we're looking at the income and we're like it does like if you're just thinking about money mm-hmm. like the advance was not uh enticing really no. um mm-hmm. because it's like we were talking like can't we just have no advance so we can we can start getting royalties right away mm-hmm. and um that's like not something that is that people normally do and our lawyer was like well you're gonna it's want in their interest to keep the artist under like so they can put they have something to maintain that relationship while they have something to benefit from. well they have skin in the game like if they throw you know four hundred thousand dollars out the window or if they throw if they pay you i'm just throwing this number out i don't know what you so six figures let's just say it was you know 400 grand or whatever um that's that's you know what they pay you that's now not theirs anymore that's that's gone so now they it's to their incentive to make that money back whereas if they didn't pay you any advance and you're just like let's just make some money they don't have any skin in the game and they could actually drop it tomorrow because they're like well we don't have to make any money back here because we no money went out the door so it's actually to every artist's benefit to take as big of an advance as possible just because then the label has a little bit more incentive to try to make some of that money back that's a, that's a fair point that's ex- that's basically exactly what our lawyer yeah convinced us of and yeah so we ended up trying to get as big an advance as we, we could. But we kind of did the math and was like, at the yeah. rate that it's streaming, how long is it going to take us to yep. make the money back? And, and it would be like... our decision making. Le- shorter than the recording term. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Brian said, based huh. on, on just money, yeah. uh, it it was not particularly particularly in our favor. But... <laughs> You have to think about the fact that we've been doing this for 10 years. We, yeah. we had to, in amongst all this stress, had to remember uh, that we've been doing this for 10 years. And there's more value to the song and to our name mm-hmm. than, just, than just money. Absolutely. And, um, and yeah. How, how long was, were, was this term um, for the song that where they, they have the rights to uh, license it? Because it's not ownership. You know, a lot of... A lot of traditional major label deals is they uh, own the masters in perpetuity, i.e. forever, uh, yeah. and they, you never get it back. But this is a licensing deal with an end date. Uh, how long yeah. are these? was this term? When's the end um, date? Just to put a scale to it. So there's like the recording term, like where they're actively working on promoting the song and mm-hmm. like racking up uh, expenses too that, that are recoupable. But yeah, then that was, that was yeah. on the scale of months. Okay. And then the license term, which we're still in, is many years. Uh, less less than a decade, but okay. not an insignificant amount of time. Uh, sure. 
And they're just earning 50% on uh, the royalties from the one song for that term under a decade of what it, what it is, right? We we also, during the recording term, made a few alternate versions. So ah, there's okay. three tracks that are... Uh, there's three tracks and a live video, which they're collecting mm. on. Got it. Got it. All for that one song, yeah. Yeah, but I did notice the music video for this song was released, what, years ago? Yeah. Five, right? Oh, man. 2017. <laughs> we, um, yep. we, we did it with one of my good friends from the Boston music scene. And at the time, like we were an up and coming band. He was an up up and coming uh, film guy, and yeah, um, it was really his first like m- big music video, I think. And uh, I've talked to him about it since then, and he's like, "Oh, I could do, I could do so much better. I could make you know." And we we kind of feel that way as well. Like we wish we had a, a different visual to go with the song. Mm. And that was one of the things we were talking about with the labels, uh, with the labels, they were trying to decide how to allocate the resources and they're like, yeah. Oh, maybe we could do a new music video for it. And we yeah. were, we were all like, yeah, that would be great. Um, but they were like, well, it already has a music video and it's doing fine. So we ended up doing a live performance video, mm-hmm. um, that they helped, they, they paid for and we split the costs cool. and the income. Yeah. I mean the music video, it, it's a concept high high art high concept uh conceptual piece are you guys even in it no okay i didn't uh, think our, so i was like yeah our, our parents, <laughs> parents are in it but uh the okay <laughs> we uh we bought pizza for the one of the music video shoots uh from la when it was being shot in boston uh, ah. but that was about as much of the shooting process as we were a part of got uh, it was buying pizza for all of the the fans in the in the cult at the end of the music video yeah yeah no, that's, that's amazing that's great um cool so um so this this deal which this you know you, you guys got signed and dropped by a major label within the span of what a year two years six months I mean, six well, months eight months, months. Yeah. Eight <laughs> okay okay um yeah but it's so interesting because it's like i mean but you got dropped from a label and then you're able to go on a headlining tour uh and play i think it was like, like 250 cap rooms all over the the country and they look like i mean talk about this tour how did the tour go this last fall it was uh it was the real reward of this whole thing okay uh, it was it was exactly what we said in like 2019 2018 when we had internet recognition but it wasn't people weren't or like we would get playlists here and there on spotify yeah. but people aren't paying money to um to experience us specifically mm-hmm. they have a subscription that allows them to experience us um but it's a different right. story trying to convince people to spend a month's worth of spotify money to buy a ticket for one night to see Mm -hmm. specifically you and Mm -hmm. that was the thing where we i think we we noticed a big big shift we sold out our santa Ana show within like two weeks two weeks of announcing the tour and that was that was a 300 cap room and that was like it was the the, uh constellation room i think at uh, the observatory great room yeah and that was um that was awesome uh just being able to sell out cities that we have either a played before Mm -hmm. uh and didn't have a good turnout in the past but then we're selling out shows or selling out cities that we just straight up have never been to 
that that is a new thing to be able to reach far and wide and be able yeah. to with relative confidence to be able to to a have people show up there's a line outside the venue people are singing along yeah uh and we we got uh, a healthy dose of mosh pits throughout <laughs> well, it was like that's brand new and that's freaking awesome that's that's like that's the live experience the human interaction that in spite of all these graphs and mm-hmm. you know th- there's money to be made and, and all those cool things um to not forget that like music is about interacting with people and mm-hmm. ha- having a message that that engages and uh resonates with people yeah and that was like the proof in the pudding that like we're we're doing it right like we're yeah. doing something good if the things were happening the way they were it was it was when, awesome man yeah when when we started this band um you know our music is a little bit eclectic and never like set out to be super commercial so like kind of the like loftiest ambitions we had like i remember going to see concerts at local clubs and like i don't know tokyo police club was playing in boston at a room at about that capacity i'm like that's that's the dream like that's what we want to do and the fact that we're like at that point now is like Mm. kind of crazy to me (laughs) um it's a it's a great opportunity like i i'm so thankful for uh where we got because like i i never dreamed that the rare occasions would be at that level even so it's it's crazy that's so awesome um so releasing uh well first off congratulations on the a successful tour that's that's incredible that's awesome i mean that's something to to really cherish and and relish in um based on your hard work and and you know like the thing is, is why you're going to be able to build on this um, and you already have been building on it is because you it's that when, you know, preparation meets opportunity kind of a thing. It's like you guys could capitalize on this moment. And, you know, I haven't seen you in a club live, but I've watched your live videos and clearly you can bring it live and that why there's, you know, dance pits, mosh pits, whatever. That's because you're bringing that energy live and people want to, you know, are feeling it. And then that energy is in the room that because you've played hundreds of shows uh, before this moment and really, you know, laid that groundwork. Um, So talk about now releasing this uh, EP, Attaboy, uh, you released it in November of 2022, just a few months back, um, and and how that experience was, um, you know, now having a TikTok following, uh, you know, you have 170 thousand something like that, uh, 80 thousand uh, followers on TikTok, um, using all the like the platforms at your disposal now needing to think through what the release strategy was for this record um which sounds great by the way uh, it's a brilliantly it's Thank it's you. like it's your most uh mature work by far uh the mix is pristine uh it really hits super hard i'm curious uh who produced this um w- we worked with uh an, an engineer and uh, he ended up mixing it too this guy ara uh how do you Sar- say his last name? I want to mispronounce Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. Uh, he works oh, it's at, great. Yeah, he 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 mixes a bunch of people. He's yeah. Awesome. So we, but we um we only tracked drums and bass in studio, and then okay, because um, we've been self-producing our stuff, most great. of our stuff, not all of it, but most of it up until that point. So yeah, um, I don't know. In in a, I would say it's still self-produced. Like we, mm-hmm. 
laid down all the tracks kind of like knowing how to arrange it and, and stuff luke arranged this or orchestrated the strings that you hear on the mm -hmm. last song nice um but ara was was a huge uh component to it as well and making it sound really pro i think having uh yeah. we you know brian has done a good job of mixing uh our previous work but mm -hmm. we, i think we just wanted to have, especially because we it was like a, a creative decision but it was also a logistical decision because mm -hmm. we were we were like okay we got to send off this ep to get mixed and mastered but also we got to get ready for this tour yeah being able to get ready for tour and mix an entire ep uh yeah i don't think that would have happened yeah uh, it was nice to have somebody it nice else to do send it. it off but what it did force us to do was understand the difference between mixing and producing mm -hmm. and like it forced us to really put on like before we send that email like decisions have to be made whether it or not it's like in the audio or if it's like we're giving directions and, um to the mix engineer like are we printing this reverb or are we asking for it like from very the mix? technical stuff right but all of that goes into the artistry and the way like the the, the sonics come out yeah if you're gonna self-mix it uh i mean you can throw you can leave everything in there enabled or on disabled or, or anything like that in every track but if you're sending it to a mixing engineer uh you want to mute virtually everything that you don't want in there and you have to do all of your own edits beforehand uh whereas like that can be at any point in the process and so um i'm assuming that that maybe was a different a little bit of different workflow for you oh yeah i think exactly, it, yeah it was a good thing for us though because um self-producing the songwriting mm -hmm. production and mixing all kind of like blend together yeah and i think having like clean breaks between those three stages mm -hmm. um, helped us be a little bit more intentional about what we we're doing so um i think going forward now that we can afford it we'll probably i'll never mix another rare occasion <laughs> your mix sounds your mix sounds great don't don't worry uh brian it's it's uh your mixes have sound great but our did an amazing job on this one i think it is oh, super yeah. pro uh i do f it does sound like a a step forward um, and it is, uh, it's a much, um, deeper, wider, more expansive, um, sounding record than you've had in the past. And it's, um, you know, but the, the ethos is still there. The energy is still there. You've maintained, you know, it's clearly, it sounds like the rare occasions. It's just, um, yeah, a bit, a bit bigger. I think it packs a, a bigger, a little bit bigger punch. Um, I, I do, um, you know, and and Luke, I, I love that you're you know using your your orchestral scoring arrangement training uh, in all of it, and I love the video that you made um, on TikTok about well, Notions opening. Everybody thought that it was like a Disney sample or something, and you're, you're like, it's not a sample, believe it or not. We know how to make this shit on the own. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have the money to get a sample from Disney, even if right. no it. one has <laughs> that money. It's cheaper to hire an orchestra and, and orchestra. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Than try to get the license for yeah yeah and i no, it was it was a great it, that that video was so well made because you like showed how you made it and like you know really quickly but also you know um and that that's cool to show the process a little bit and um you know you guys have uh even though you weren't on tiktok essentially by the time your songs were kind of popping off you've really uh and that you've been around for so long and you're not, you know, teenagers, you're not, you know, just, you know, like social media natives, TikTok natives necessarily. You've really understood uh, what resonates on the platform. Um, 
and uh, are kind of, you know, telling stories that are in line with uh, who you are as a band um, and just kind of uh, jumping on where, you know, responding to people's questions and, and helping people understand. Uh, so when it came to like album promotion for this or EP promotion for Attaboy, um, what was the approach? We, uh, we, we knew that there was like, we, we felt this intense pressure to follow something up as quickly as possible because mm. um, we didn't want to just leave people hanging, you know? Yeah. And um, we were, because we were not sure whether or not we were moving forward with the label, mm-hmm. um, we were kind of blocked a little bit from releasing anything until after that term was up. Sure. So the good thing is we put a lot of work in to like be ready to hit the studio. Um, and so, yeah, as soon as we found out, we we're like, okay, like we're getting this out as quickly as possible. Nice. And uh, part of that strategy was focusing on like a staggered single release mm-hmm. um, just out of necessity, because if, you know, it takes a long time to compile f- six songs that, you can get behind and so if we just had to like put something out as quickly as possible so we focused on the song seasick yeah because uh, it was the furthest along and, and we felt pretty strongly about it and we were mm-hmm. able to get that out i think in june mm-hmm. and uh and when it comes to the promoting uh the promotion and especially the social media uh we got to give our hats off to our manager who kind of like first of all explain to us the importance of all this stuff i mean all it was so foreign to us and she's really like she's got her finger on the pulse Mm. and she kind of knows what we need to do and uh not only that but helped us with all the labor intensive like editing videos and and it it takes a lot of work to make a a video every day um so we gotta shout out our manager what's her name uh ariana soto Ariana Soto by Ari for short. Hey, Um, love it. (laughs) I always think that she's like a middle-aged Israeli man. Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. How long you been working Uh, with her? Was this a recent thing or? She's been. It's. She's she's been in our crew since college. She's in the band. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, She's in the band. Incredible. Yeah. When we were in college in like 2013, uh, we were like one of her case studies for uh, for a class at. She also went to Berkeley, where Luke and I went. Wow. Um, so we were like a case study or like a, like to get her foot in the door of what yeah. it's like to manage a band. And it's just, yeah, it was, it was a awesome. good experience. And, and the other thing I will say is um, one of the perks of our record deal was they, uh, they had us take a class about how to make TikTok videos. So this huh. company called Push Talk. Um, it's like a third party company that works with different labels and, Mm -hmm. um, this instructor Rohan kind of like showed us like some tricks, how to, how to get the algorithm to, uh, to push your video more. And that was like super helpful as well. Wow. That's the stuff behind the scenes that uh, happening at major labels that we don't always hear about too frequently. Um, I'm going to have to look into push talk unless they, I don't know, only work with labels, but that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so uh well nice and um so what's next what's coming you you released this ep just a couple months ago you finished off a massive nationwide tour uh you know we're we're talking right now end of january 2023 what's the rest of the year looking like for you 
we uh, we got to sleep in our own beds for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Hallelujah, Mazel good tov. Stuff. After tour, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And uh, like I mentioned to you before, we had a, a very very long like ten hour meeting on Saturday. Like, mm-hmm. all right, twenty twenty two was just like on fire. Like, yeah, we, we couldn't get a breath. Now that like we've accomplished an ep and a, and a headlining tour like what's next we finally got to catch up with ourselves yeah so uh, at this point it's just music new music just Great. writing and auditioning um new tunes and seeing what nice. sticks and kind of in the meantime we're still uh like promoting attaboy because um we did two singles leading up to it mm-hmm. attaboy was our last ep mm-hmm. um we'll probably like do some live videos some live sessions we got some footage from our tour um but um and then maybe like music videos lyric videos stuff that we can um just stay on people's radar with the music that we worked so hard on last year um so that while we're working on our music for this year um there's still like stuff going on uh outside of our internal battle (laughs) yeah cool so full steam ahead as an indie band basically hell yeah well i love it well guys uh this has been amazing i really appreciate you being so open and transparent and candid with with me um you know uh coming on to this and and i'm I'm glad we were able to make this work it's such a it's such an interesting um but also seemingly common story of you know the tiktok era in the music industry right now of what's happening um but i think what is the most inspiring part of all of this is that, you know, it's no longer uh, when you sign to a major label uh, that you're giving, you're handing over your entire career to them like you were, like you would previously prior to this era that you're in. It's just almost like a temporary partner that you work with. And there's going to be many temporary partners over the span of your career. And it's just like uh, a moment in time. And um, you know, it was a partner for this moment and that's fine, but you, you know, you're trucking ahead and, and, you know, you're growing and everything is building for you. Um, and it seems like you're in a stronger place now, uh, you know, than you were even two years ago. And it's just like, it continues to grow, which is great. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see where you go from here and the new music that you're working on and the new shows that you're playing, the new tours. And um, I'll definitely be out to the next L.A. show that you play in town. Yeah, awesome. Amazing. We'll thank you. Have you. And thank yeah. you for helping us, helping us get, you know, our story out there and just like hopefully help other indie artists, you know, because we've we've sort of emerged from this unscathed and mm-hmm. um, with the knowledge and the experience of how how it went and if yeah. we can help other people people um who it might be happening to because it is more increasingly common um, and that that knowledge so, uh, a good bit of it came from you as well so that yes that, that helped us yeah. make some good decisions and Thank you. some wise choices rather than just giving 90 percent of our master recording <laughs> that, rights. that royalty chart is like has been our uh when, when our I, blueprint when i like think like like we just found out about neighboring rights uh <laughs> in in the recent year and I was like, all right, where does which, that which one is that? Right. Where, does that, where does that go? 
Oh, I love it. I love that. We'll link to that chart in the show notes so people can download it. It's also, I put that chart in the new edition of the book, which just came out last week. Um, it and just so sold you, out on, uh, I just saw on it, Amazon, right? It did just sell out on Amazon, yeah. but, but Barnes & Noble still has them. And so uh, the local local bookstore still got them. Um, and I think nice. Amazon's getting them back in stock soon. Um, but, uh, but anyways, I, guys, I have one final question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. And uh, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Probably different for all of yeah. us. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Go around the horn, Brian. Approach to this question. I think, like, from a creative standpoint, um, I am feeling super grateful that like people know our music and get it stuck in their heads and sing along at concerts. Like the fact that I'm making a human connection. Um, mm-hmm. That's like, that's the artistic goal always. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, from a business point of view, I also feel very privileged that um, I'm able to do this full time and I can kind of put all my effort towards uh, the craft as opposed to um, doing other things to pay the bills. And then this is like, uh, you know, I, I had very ma- many late nights for many years uh, just to keep keep writing and, and keep this thing going. So I'm glad cool. that uh, I can work on this during the day now. Love it. Love it. Thank Jeremy. Uh, in 2023, you can't be good at just one thing. Mm. You have to know how to be nimble and to pivot. And that doesn't mean you can't invest yourself in something, but you, you have to keep your finger on the pulse to, for lack of a better term, stay relevant and to keep up because, um, man, you go, you go online and, six-year-old kids are cutting records on garage band right now like <laughs> the, the competition is is real uh mm-hmm. to stay relevant and to create something new mm. and we, you don't need a record deal you don't need a million dollars to uh go to sunset studios anymore you can mm-hmm. record your your hit record uh, uh kendrick lamar always comes to mind uh i think humble was recorded on an iphone like the producer was like yeah uh like 19 or something and and he recorded uh yeah there's uh, right right on an iphone crazy. it's crazy so mm-hmm. and anyways there there should be no like there are so many resources available now mm-hmm. and ultimately i think the limitation of your creativity is really what you allow to to pass through and mm-hmm. and also like part of being nimble is understanding the business and um, knowing how to empower yourself amongst your artistry, but also knowing when your business hat is on and when your mm. artist hat is on and never mm. making artistic decisions for the sake of the business. Mm. Of course, the artistry needs to benefit the business and vice versa, but there there also needs to be an intention on where your decisions are coming from. So, Nice. Yeah. Nice. Luke? Um, yeah, I think I would probably just echo Brian in the sense that like artists are constantly moving the finish line for themselves. So you're mm-hmm. never really reaching your goals cause you're setting new goals and it's yeah. important to look back on your first earliest realistic goals from when you were starting out and realize how many you actually met. And yes, in that sense, I think we've made it many times over. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Brian, Luke, Jeremy, rare occasions. Thank you guys so much. It's great. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for having us.
Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.